Lord, we just want to give you the praise. We want to give you the glory. We want to give you the honor. Lord, because you're worthy. Hallelujah. Lord, you're worthy. Hallelujah. Come on, open your mouth and give him some praise. Hallelujah. Lord, you're worthy. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, put those hands together right there and give God some praise. We dare not come in his house and give God the glory, the honor, and the praise. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Amen. We praise God for each and every one of you. We praise God for his mercy and his kindness. We praise him for his goodness. We praise him for his mercies, which are new for us every morning. Great is God's faithfulness towards us. Aren't we so grateful for his faithfulness? God is more faithful to us than we are to him, and we're just thankful for his faithfulness and grateful for his goodness and kindness to each and every one of us. Why don't we just, can I just pray with you this morning? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you for this, your people. Lord, we ask that you open our hearts and our minds and our spirits be receptive to what you're going to say to us in the next few moments. Lord, allow us to encounter these destiny moments with purpose. Let us recognize this moment and let us be prepared to allow your word to guide us, to redirect us, to, to show us the way that you would have us to go. But most of all, do not allow us to leave here the same way that we came. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Amen. We praise God for each of you. We've been sharing in the last few weeks from the thought disconnected, and we're going to share a little bit on that this morning. God has shown us a few things through this, talking about how we personally connect to God and how we personally, how we connect to other people. And then also one of the most important things is just instead of not just connecting to other people, but how we connect to ourselves. We have to be connected to God, but we also have to be connected to who we are. How many of you know it's important to be connected to who you are, to know who you are in God, to know what God desires from you? If we don't know what God desires from us, we can allow other things and other people to define who we are. We cannot allow the world to define who we are. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing what? Of your minds. That means that your mind is in touch with your spirit. Your mind is in touch with God's purpose. Your mind is in touch with what God desires for you to do. And the only way that we can stay in touch with that is through prayer, through supplication, through spending time on our knees, through spending time in God's word. What I tell you, and I mean it, when you read God's word, you learn what God's voice sounds like. When you read his word, you, you recognize what his voice sounds like. The, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and a stranger they will not heed. That means they've already heard his voice. They're already familiar with his voice. To become familiar with the voice of God, we have to continue to read his word. Because then when we encounter things that don't sound like him, we can say, hold on, that doesn't sound like God. Has anybody ever been in that place? You've heard something and somebody said something, but you, but you have enough wisdom to know that that does not even sound like God. We have to have, be it's so in tune with God's word that we're able even to discern when something does not sound like him. So we have to stay in his word and we're going to go to the word of the Lord here just now. If you will go follow me to da the book of Daniel. We will look at, ver at chapter 3, and we will begin our reading around verse 8. Again, that's Daniel chapter 3, and we'll begin our reading of his word around verse 8. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, if you follow along with me. And the word of the Lord says, Therefore at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Verse 10, you, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews who you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods nor worship the golden image that you have set up. Verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar in furious rage commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. 
Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Amen. And the word of the Lord is blessed. We're talking to you about being disconnected. And I want to share with you relative to these three men. We call them the three Hebrew boys or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego or their Hebrew names are Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. We want to talk about how they became, they were put in a position where they were disconnected. And the reason I, I, this particular story spoke to me is because of all of the Jewish people who had been taken into captivity, the only ones we hear about in this moment are these three men. These are the only three that we hear about during this story, although almost all of Israel had been taken into captivity. Only a remnant remained there in Jerusalem. So why do we only hear of these three men? And that may, reminded me that sometimes we get in a place where we become disconnected from the people that we think are with us. Have you ever felt that way? You felt disconnected from the people you thought were with you. Have you ever had a moment where you thought it was a special moment for you? You thought it was a special time for you. But even at that time, at that moment, which seems so important for you, there are people that you thought that would be with you that were not. People you thought would support you that wouldn't. Have you had a moment where you were celebrating, but some of the people you thought would celebrate with you did not? Ever share good news with somebody and they didn't get as excited about the news as you thought they would? Ever shared your passion and dreams with somebody and they didn't respond in the same way that you thought that they might respond? And, and you felt in that moment that maybe you were a little bit disconnected. Hebrew boys here, these, the Shad, and I want to call them by their Hebrew names because Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, those three names all give glory to God. If you look at their names and break down the Hebrew in their names, all three of their names give specific reverence to God, while their Babylonian names give reference to false gods. But they had been, they had been stripped from their country. Even their identities had been compromised and their names had been changed. But these men at this moment decided to take a stand. And the only reason we know of them, the only reason we speak of them is because they took this particular stand on this day in this moment. And I want to let all of you know that each of you have a moment. Each of you have a moment. In all of your lives, there comes a moment where you have to take a stand. In each of your lives, there comes a moment that you will take a stand, but I want to acknowledge, advise you that when you take this stand, you might find yourself alone. You might find yourself abandoned, even by those you think would be with you. You, you may find yourself in a similar moment in your life that is so important to your destiny and so important to your purpose. You might find yourself in that very moment by yourself. Seems like nobody will stand with you. I have to think that those, those men, as they stood there and refused to bow to the golden image, I have to imagine that as they stood among thousands of people who, who, who must have been in the crowd paying homage to the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, that, that while they were standing and everybody else was bowing, I imagine that they said, well, I thought he would be with me. And I thought maybe she would stand with me. I didn't think that I would be in this moment at this time in my life by myself. I thought I'd have more support. Wish I had somebody with me this morning. I, I thought I'd have more encouragement. 
I, I thought somebody would hold my hand. I thought somebody would take my text. I thought somebody would receive my phone calls. I thought somebody would like my social media post. I, I, I thought I would re- receive more support than, I, than I'm getting right now. But I feel like in this important moment in my life that helps to clarify God's purpose for my life, that helps me have a clarion call to destiny, that somebody else might, just might stand with me. These boys, I, I, I imagine they felt naked in a sense, standing there in the midst of thousands of people. And even the people that they had striven with, the people that they had been stolen from in captivity with, the people who they had, had, had taken bread together with, the people they had prayed and, and read God's word together with, the people who they shared their hopes and dreams and aspirations with, they were kneeling while God had called these three men to stand. While they're standing there, and I imagine some of you can identify with feeling that in your moment, standing by yourself and not having the support of those who were around them, they decided that they were going to have to stand upon a principle. They decided that this is the place where I make my stand. And each of you will come to that moment in your lives that you're going to have to find a place where you're going to take a stand. They, they, they said, well, we, we've already been taken from our homeland. They've already stolen us from Israel. They even tried to force us, and I think they were among the group with Daniel. They didn't eat of the king's bread and the king's meat, but they, 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 they abided by the, the ritual eating there of Israel. The, these men were, were taken from the homeland, and they were assigned new names that did not give honor and homage to God like their Hebrew names. But they decided that we've been stolen, we've been rebranded, our names have been taken, our, our identities have been compromised, but I have to draw the line somewhere. And these three men said, this is where I draw the line. This is where I draw the line. Too, too much has been taken, too much has been stolen, but I feel like my very destiny is being compromised if I don't stand up in this moment. And each of you will come to a moment where you need to draw a line in the sand and you're going to have to stand. So they stood there in this moment. They said, I can't take anymore. I'm not, I'm not kneeling to this image that too far compromises what I believe. That's a step too far. I'm going to have to stand upon this principle. And having said that, I think we live in a time where people too easily compromise their principles. Or even worse, we may live in a time where people have abandoned their principle and no longer even commit to any principle. Because to a principle, the thing with the principle, particularly amidst a group of believers, you have to agree on something for there to be a principle. There has to be a certain level of agreement for there to be a principle. All this weekend, this past weekend, we on, on yesterday particularly, it was the commemoration, I won't say celebration, but the commemoration of the events of, nine, of September 11th, 2001. A very dark day for this country. So much I heard re- relative to that is that even though we despise what happened on September 11th, many people were saying they wish that we could return to the unity as a country that they saw on September 12th. They wish that we could return to the unit. And I remember that moment. And I, I don't know that if our country uh, in, in my lifetime has been more unified than that moment because why? We had a principle. That principle was based upon agreement. That agreement was that we have a common enemy. The enemy is whoever committed those attacks. Those are the, that's where all of our anger went. That's where all, all of our thoughts went, were against the people who committed the attacks. We were all in agreement that they were the enemy. But 20 years later, sad to say that if that event had happened again, I don't know that we'd have that same principle because we lack agreement. Because we lack agreement, I can hear now pundits getting on the news stations the next day and blaming the president saying if the president was stronger, if the president did this, if the president wasn't so weak, or if he said this, or if he did this, or if he had these certain, if he had these certain strategies, or, or, or if he wasn't so friendly. I can hear so many people gathering together instead of sharing the principle of the common enemy 
they would blame the president. And the reason I believe that is just a few weeks earlier when there was a bomb there in Afghanistan that killed so many troops. I had very, heard very few people blaming the terrorists and a whole lot of people blaming the president. And the reason is it doesn't matter if September 11th had occurred this year because our, we're, we're divided. We're not in the same space. We don't agree upon the same enemy, and we do not share the same principle. And that scares me that as a country and as a world, we have abandoned principles. These men decided that we're going to stand on this principle. And it's harder to stand on a principle when you're in a foreign land, when, when you're under the rule of a foreign king. When you're separated from your place, they cannot even worship in the temple there that had been built for them in Jerusalem. They were separated from their homeland. They were separated from their people. They were separated from their place of worship. They were dropped in the midst of a godless people, an idolatrous people, in the midst of a king that did not honor God. But yet in the middle of all of that, you know what? They said, we still have a principle. You can take us from our land. You can change our names. You can put us in the middle of an idolatrous people. You can separate us from worship in our temple. But we yet have a principle. And some of us are in the same place, in the same homeland, with the ability to worship even at our fingertips. And yet, we don't have principle. We have abandoned our principle. These young men said, we, we, we have a principle. We're going to stand by the principle. And one of those principles are that I shall only worship the true and living God. My God told me that I shall have no other God before him. And I'm going to stand on that even if my life is in jeopardy. In fact, that's, that's what these men said. They had that much courage of their conviction that even if my life is in jeopardy, I am going to stand upon this principle. Even if my life becomes in peril, I'm going to stand upon this principle that I should only worship the true and living God. And they decided to stand there. And because when they decided to stand there, they find that found themselves abandoned by a lot of their friends. And you want to know what? I can give you a social experiment that can help you understand how they must have felt. Let me put it in the era of social media. If you want a lot of likes on social media, Post a picture of a puppy. You'll get a lot of likes. You'll get a lot of shares. You'll get a lot of friendly comments. Put a picture of a, of a newborn baby. You have a child. You got a grandbaby. Put a picture of the newborn baby. You'll get a lot of likes, a lot of shares. People will get on board with that. They'll, they'll like that. They'll give you positive comments. That'll look good. You, you'll feel good about yourself. Lots of hearts and likes and thumbs ups when you post things like that. But the closer you get to a principle, the fewer likes you'll get. The closer you get to a principle, the fewer shares you'll get. Well, after you post those things, I want you to share something like this. God is good all the time. You'll get some likes. You'll get some shares. But you'll notice you won't get as many likes and shares as you got with the puppy. But then, but, but then you want to go a little further, go, go, tell them that I love Jesus. Because some of the folks that can get with God don't get with Jesus. And you're going to have a few less likes and a few less shares. You say something like, it's, it's always right to do that which is right. You're going to get a few less likes and a few less shares, a few less hearts. Because the closer you get to the principle, the fewer people you'll find are with you. Post something like, love your enemies. Pray for them that despitefully use you. You're not going to get as near the amount of likes and shares as you, as you got with the puppy. You won't even get as near as likes and shares as you got with the baby or, or, or even saying that God is good because you're getting closer to a principle. Say something like, you should love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy might, with all thy soul, and love thy neighbor as thyself, baby. You might not get many of any likes. You probably won't get any shares. Because the closer you get to a principle, the fewer people are going to like it. The fewer people 
we're going to share. And then I dare you to say, well, the word says love thy neighbor as thyself. And if we ought to have love for everybody, then that means that black and brown lives matter. Baby, you might, you might get some ugly comments on that one. Not only will you get fewer likes and fewer shares, then you're going to get some comments that you don't like. You're going to see some folks arguing on your post. Come on in here with me. Because the closer you get to a principle, the fewer people are going to be with you. So as you might imagine with that post that has no likes and no shares, and you feel like you're posting into a vacuum and nobody heard you, that's how the Hebrews felt on, boys felt on that day, standing alone with nobody sharing their principles. The thing about principles is, is they're not popular and that they'll cause you to stand alone. But the thing about also about a principle is a principle will help guide you even in the middle of darkness. When it's dark and you can't see your way, the principle will help guide you. The principle is like that light that you see in the distance. It helps to guide you along the way. It's like, being in, it's like being in a cave, and when you're in the middle of a, a, a deep, dark cave, that, and there's a light that's coming from the, from the front of the cave, that's coming from the entrance to the tunnel, that light guides you even when you can't see your way. There might be rocks in front of you, and you might have to walk slowly to get over the rocks, but you are being guided by the light. That there may be other things that stand in your way. There may be water that's in between you and the entrance, but you wade through the water and you keep following that direction because that light, that principle is what is guiding you. So the Hebrew boys, it, they, they treated the, their principle like light, like that light that was in the middle of the cave. We're in, the, in a cave of darkness here in a foreign land. We're in a cave of darkness surrounded by people who engage in idolatry. We're in a cave of darkness being separated from our worship in the temple. But the one light that guides me is that I must serve only the true and living God. That's my one light. That's the light that's guiding me. That, that's the light that I believe will deliver me out of where I am. And I cannot abandon following that light. No matter which rocks try to trip me up along the way, no matter how much water I have to wade through to get there, no matter how high I have to climb to get to that light, I will overcome all of these obstacles because I am guided by the principle that is God's guiding light. And Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching to those things which are before. I must press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That is my principle. That is my light. That is what guides me even when I don't see anybody else with me. So then, if you're guided by a principle, not only will you have fewer people with you, you'll have a whole lot of people who are against you. And you know why you have so many people who are against you? It's not only the people who disagree with you in principle. You also have the people who agree with you, but they're ashamed because you stood on your principle and they didn't. Let me say that again. Not only are the people who are diametrically opposed to you principally, who, who don't believe what you believe, but then you'll also find stumbling blocks amongst the people who believe what you believe, but they don't have the courage of their conviction to stand upon the principle that they know is true in their heart. Because when the Hebrew boys were called out, they had to step over the other Hebrew people who said they loved God. They had to step over the other Hebrew people who were bowing, who said that they believe in the true and living God. They had to step over the other Hebrew people who, who had also been stolen from their homelands and, and worshipped in the temple and knew, and knew that God was the only true and living God. But yet they bowed and they became stumbling blocks to people, these men who stood by their principle. And I'll tell you that there are people in your life who've been with you for a long time. But when you stand on your principle, they become your stumbling block. They get in your way. Not only do they not help you, but sometimes they become encumbrances. They become the walls 
that, 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 that help that try to prevent you from getting to where you need to go. And why? It's because out of their own guilt for their failure to stand upon the principle. Because you know what happens when people know better but don't do better? They make excuses. And then, not only do they make excuses, then they lash out at people who are doing the right thing. They want to make you feel bad for standing on your principle. They want to make you feel bad for, 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 for following God's path. They want to make you feel bad because they understand fundamentally that they've abandoned their own principle that God is calling them to. There are people, not only, not only are people dangerous who oppose your destiny, the other people who are dangerous to you are people who have abandoned their own destiny. They don't oppose you. They're just in your way. Come on with me now. Because I, I know some of you are like me. You try to get to work in the morning. And the people that usually are in your way are not people who oppose you. They don't care if you make it to work. They just don't have a purpose and they're in your way. Come on now. Ever gotten behind somebody, you trying to make it to work, and then you find somebody driving 30 miles an hour on, on, the, on the highway because they absolutely have nowhere to go. They don't have any purpose that morning. And, and they're not intentionally opposing you. They're just a hindrance that's in your way because they don't have your same sense of purpose. People who don't have your same sense of purpose will get in your way. Let me say this because I need you to adopt this and understand it because some of you think that only you got haters and enemies and you think those are the people in your way. Let me say it again. People who don't have your same sense of purpose will get in your way. They may be friends, they may be family members, but they're around you and they're just like these Hebrew people who were kneeling and the, and the Hebrew men had to step over them. They became stumbling blocks to them. They were in their path. They were in their way because why? They did not have the same sense of purpose that Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah had. And even though they didn't oppose their purpose, their failure to have the same sense of purpose became a stumbling block to them. So maybe when I evaluate my friendships, I'm not just looking at people who actively oppose me. I also need to look at those per persons who don't have a similar sense of purpose that may simply get in my way. They might trip me up on my way to doing what God told me to do. And sometimes, how, well, well, let, let's make it real. How do they trip you up? Faith comes by hearing. I also say this, so does doubt. Doubt comes by hearing. If you keep listening to people who don't have the same sense of purpose that you have, they will plant, inadvertently plant, Seeds of doubt in your mind. And they don't even mean it. You're worried about enemies. You're worried about haters. Put that down for a minute. There are people in your life that just simply do not share your sense of purpose. And if you listen to them, you'll allow the words that they say to plant seeds of doubt in your own mind. Let me give you just a, an example. You're trying to get healthy. You're trying to run. You're trying to exercise. And you have somebody around you who said, girl, I, 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 I wouldn't do all that. Everybody got to die or something. They're not opposing you. They just don't share your sense of purpose. So they can become a hindrance to you and plant seeds of doubt in your own mind. You're trying to eat healthy, and every time you eat with somebody, they want ribs. They're going to the rib joint. There ain't nothing healthy, on, there ain't nothing green on the menu. But they're in your friend group, and, 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 that's, who, and that's who you work with, that, that's who you deal with. So because they don't share your same sense of purpose, they become a stumbling block to your destiny. They become a stumbling block to what you're trying to achieve in your life. Oh, let me give you an example. I know all of you have had. Some of you woke up one morning and you were struggling a little bit, but you said some positive things to yourself that morning. I'm going to make it. I, I'm going to make it through work today. I'm not going to allow anybody to get me down. We're going to get through this. I have great things that are happening after work. I'm, I'm looking forward to the weekend. I'm going to have a great week. I'm going to have a great day. Then you walked in and talked to somebody who was depressed. 
And before you knew it, your whole day was shining. You're like, Lord Jesus. You start thinking, you weren't, God had put you in a good mental place, but all of a sudden now you think about all your problems. Did I pay that bill? I don't, I don't remember. Do I have enough for that? Uh, did, I, did, I, did I lock my door? Did I turn off my stove? Did, do, will I remember to pick up my children? Uh, 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 do, it, does, do my shoes match? You, you, you begin to question everything. You started with a good purpose and you encountered somebody who's not your enemy. Stop worrying just about enemies. They're not your enemy. But they didn't share your same positive sense of focus that you had already established for what was going to happen and what you were believing and speaking into your own mind to happen that day. And their lack of purpose, their failure to have that same sense of purpose that you have became a hindrance to you. And they began to speak doubt into your own mind. And they wrecked your whole mindset just simply by them being a stumbling block that was in your way. Hebrew boys overcame the stumbling blocks and they were summoned by Chaldeans. And of course, the Hebrew boys, you will have real enemies too. Hebrew boys had real enemies who didn't like them anyway. Let's understand, these people who reported them to King Nebuchadnezzar, they didn't just happen to see the Hebrew boys standing. They were looking for them. They were mad because Nebuchadnezzar had already put them in charge. And they were like, hold on, how are you going to put the captive people in charge? I was born here. I, I, I was bred. I'm Babylonian. Why are you going to put them in charge? They were, they were waiting on a reason to report them. And they were just sitting in the wings. And they see them stand up and say, mm, we got them. We got them. Let's go, get, let's go tell the king. And you got some folks like that in your life too? Just be honest. You got, you got more. And, and, and the more you accomplish, the more folks you're going to have like that. Because some of you are praying for another level, but let me, let me be warn, warn you, the more, the more levels you achieve, the higher you go, you're going to have more folks that are looking at you trying to tear you down. That's just a fact of how it works. And, and the ones on the next level are better than the ones on the previous level. I keep telling you, keep going high enough, you'll find yourself professional haters, people who do it for a living. That's all they do. That's what they do best. And if you can't deal with the enemies on this level, baby, you're not ready for the next level. Because they're just waiting on you to get there. Some of, you look, some of them looking at you now, they're like, she's probably going to get a, promoted in two months. I'm waiting on her. <laughs> they're just waiting on you because, because the devil always has, he always uses people. and He always has people that will try to put you in a position where you, I told you, all the devil has to do is get you to move off your spot. And he always has people waiting for you to move you out of the position that God desires for you to occupy. These men get over these stumbling blocks. They're summoned to the king. And King Nebuchadnezzar is hot. He is mad. He, 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 he's mad. He, 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 can't, he can't understand why these people are so upset, why these people would defy him like this. Like, first of all, he, he, he treats them like they're slow. You notice what the word says? <laughs> Treat them like they're slow. You know, it's kind of like when, you, when you're talking to somebody... Some, some, you see it on, on TV so, a lot and movies a lot, and it doesn't make any sense. It's like you're talking to someone who speaks another language, so you think you got to talk louder, like they're deaf. <laughs> it's not that they're deaf, they don't speak the language. <laughs> talking louder is not going to change anything. <laughs> but, but, but it's kind of, I, I kind of envision that scenario in my mind where Nebuchadnezzar is treating them like that. He's like, what you need to understand is when the horns blow, you need to bow. Do you understand me? Imagine that's, how, that, that, that's in my mind. That's how it went in my mind. That's, my, that's how my imagination works. But the, but the, but the boys, Hananiah, I'm going to call them by their Hebrew names. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they said, they all just collectively said together, they said, King, we don't even have to be careful to answer you in this matter. In one term, they're saying, we don't have to think about it. And I think that comes from the King James Version. We don't, have to, we don't have to be careful to answer you in this manner. We need not, in other words, we don't have to put a lot of thought into it. But I really like how the English Standard Version says it. The English Standard Version says, we need not answer you in this matter. And when I thought about it, I was like, whew, that's powerful. That's, that's, that's powerful. They said, we need not answer you in this matter. We don't have to respond to your question. And when I thought about it, what they're saying is, we don't have to respond because God that we serve, the God we serve, he's going to answer 
you for us. We, we, we don't even have to talk to you right now, but we're, we're just letting you know we don't have to think about it. We even don't really need to say anything, but the God we serve will respond to you. And that, that's a powerful mindset to understand that when I stand up on a principle, God talks for me. He talks for me. And see, when God's not like us, sometimes we talk and nothing happens. When God talks, his words make things happen. He said, let there be light. He didn't say let there be light and created light. When he said let there be light, light was created. So they're saying, we don't need to talk to you. We don't need to respond. We don't need to to answer on our behalf. We don't need to, on our behalf, we don't even need to defend ourselves to you, king. Not only are we not careful, we don't even have to respond because the God we serve is able. And and, and the power that that, that is emanating from that moment, from from what they're saying, from what they're speaking, it's so powerful to have that understanding, to have that that solitude of thought, to to understand that they were like the the, the men who were in the the, the people of God, who were in the upper room, that that they were on on one accord in one place. And and, and these men, they were on one accord, and, and they responded together, understanding that God was with them. That they were not by themselves, but God was with them. And, that, and, that, and that's a powerful place to be in, to know that when you occupy a position with God, that God is with you. And when things come against you, you don't have to respond because God's going to respond. And so while you're out there typing up all your responses to what people are saying about you and what they're doing to you and while, while you're, you're conspiring about what you're going to say to people who are working against you or people who are stumbling blocks or hindrances to what God has told you to do and while you're losing sleep at night worried about folks who've fallen off and don't speak to you anymore and don't, don't return your texts and don't accept your phone calls and, and while you're worried about being by yourself and not having people who are connected to you, you have lost sight of the vision that God is yet with you. Because if God be for us, I said, if God be for us, if God be for us, who can be against us? Why am I worried about somebody who doesn't like what God told me to do? Why am I worried about people who are speaking against what God told me to do? Why am I concerned about folks who don't understand that I'm staying in a position that God told me to occupy? I'm not worried about them. I'm not concerned about them. The only thing and the only person I need in this moment is God. And it takes courage of your conviction. It takes uh, a powerful understanding of your principle to be able to stand there, even if I know how I have to stand here by myself. Because wrong is wrong if everybody does it. And right is right if nobody does it. Because if I'm standing upon the principle that God gave me, then, then I can stand upon that principle and know that a God is my guiding light and he will lead and direct me in the way that I need to go. And I do not need approval from the crowd. I don't need everybody to like what I'm doing. I don't need everybody to heart my, my post. I don't need everybody to stand with me when I've chosen to take this stand upon the principle of God. If I stand on this principle, I'm not standing by myself because God is standing with me. He's standing with me. And in a sense, what the Hebrew boys were saying, they were saying that Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to respond to you in this matter because even though you can't see him, And even though you don't know him, and even though you can't feel him, and even though he hasn't shown himself yet, God is right here. He's, he's, he's right here. I I can be bold to a king who has the authority to have me killed when I know that God is with me. I can stand on a principle amongst thousands when everybody else is bowing when I know that God is with me. I don't have to cry myself to sleep at night because I don't have a lot of friends or I don't have a lot of people taking my calls or I don't have a lot of people texting me back when I know that God is is with me. 
So he's saying, we need not even respond to you in this matter, but we want to let you know that the God we serve is able. And they said that even if he does not respond, this is the power of of your conviction, even if he does not respond to you in a matter, this is what they're really saying, is not saying that God's not with them. They're saying if even he doesn't respond to you in a way that you see it, you should understand that he's with us. And he will deliver us out of your hand. So if you imagine how upset Nebuchadnezzar was when he was talking to them like they couldn't understand the language. Just imagine how frustrated he was when they said, King, you don't have to play no horns. You don't have to beat no drums. You don't have to give us another chance because you can play your horns and beat the drums and do all that. And we're still not going to bow. And we're saying we don't put our trust in you because the God we serve is able. The God we serve is is able. And I came to tell that to somebody because when you lose your job, baby, it is not your job that made you. When they lay you off, it wasn't the job that made you. When, when, when they fire you, it wasn't the job that made you. When they tell you no at the bank, the bank doesn't have authority over your destiny. When, when people leave you, they, 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 do not, they do not impact what God has for you. If nobody accepts you and nobody likes you, when God is with you, you don't need their approval because God is making a way where there is no way. God is yet able. God, and, and what they're really saying is we don't, God, we don't have to respond where, when God can respond. So what I want to convey, convey to you is some of you are responding to stuff where God's saying, shut up and let me do it. God's telling you, shut up, shut up. Shh. You're doing all this talking. I don't need you to talk. If you're quiet, then I'll respond. But what he's also saying, he's saying, I'm not going to intervene until you shut up. Because as soon as you stop speaking, God said, I'm going to speak. When when you shut up, God's saying, now it's my turn. Oh, I wish you you would get in here with me. Because when it says, when we we really say rejoice and we're talking about one of the translations of that, when we say rejoice, then we do rejoice. And when we, in all things, we ought to give God the honor and the praise. What, What we're saying in that, in one of the Hebrew translations, is that that introduces God to your situation. Sometimes when you're praising, it says God inhabits the praises of his people. What you're doing is introducing God to the problem. Or introducing your problem to God. You're you're saying, I'm not going to say any more words right here. And that's what the Hebrew boys were saying. We're saying, I really don't need to respond to you in this manner. But they're saying that, but, but since you are insisting upon us talking and calling us up to the front. They're they're saying that we're going to allow God to respond to you. And they're saying that we know that our God is able to deliver us out of your hands. So then Nebuchadnezzar got upset and he said, well, I want the strong men to take the Hebrew boys and throw them in the furnace. But he said, but before you do it, I want you to heat it up seven times hotter than it normally is heated. Nebuchadnezzar obviously didn't understand that seven was God's number and that God was working something out even in him heating up the furnace. So he heats up the furnace seven times hotter than it's normally heated. And the strong men take the Hebrew boys to throw them in the furnace. But even as the strong men get to the door of the furnace, the heat from the furnace kills the strong men. So then the Hebrew boys find themselves in the middle of the furnace. But when they got there, Nebuchadnezzar didn't see this part at first. But when they got there, Jesus was already waiting on them. He was waiting on them in the middle of the furnace. So I came to tell somebody while you're worried about your next trial, while you're worried about your next trouble, while you're worried about what the devil has planned, while you're worried about what's happening on the next level, I want to remind you that even though your haters are waiting on you, Jesus is already waiting for you. He said, I already knew you were coming this way. 
already knew you were coming this direction. He said, I was waiting for you to get here. And he said, I've already prepared a way. He said, I gotta go to prepare a place for you that where I am, he may be also. I'm already waiting on you to step in the fire. I'm already waiting on you to step in the storm. And when you get there, the fire can't burn The smoke can't choke The furnace can't hold you. He said, I'm waiting. Somebody said, waiting. God said, I'm waiting for you to get where I am. And the word I need to give to you is God is waiting. Where you going? You can't stay where you are because your God is waiting for you to get there. Somebody point at your neighbor and say, God is waiting for you to get there. Point at somebody else and say, God is waiting for you to get there. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. to David David when, when he cried and prayed to the Lord he said, he said shall I pursue after this truth God said you shall pursue and you shall recover all in that very moment when God gives him that permission David no longer has the right to stay where he is but his destiny is in front of him his destiny is to chase and pursue what God told him so what I'm telling you, from the moment that Nebuchadnezzar made that statue, it was the Hebrew boy's destiny. Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. It was their destiny to be inside that furnace because that's where God was waiting on them. He was waiting on them. And the thing about it, we, talk, we call it the fiery furnace because they use fire. But you know what? I, I, I don't want to just think of it as flames as I have for so many years in my mind. I want to think of it as an oven. And an oven, all it is is controlled fire. It's fire under control. And you use an oven to help finish something that's not ready. I want you to think about that. You use an oven, which is only fire under control. You put, use an oven to finish something that's not ready. You can't put the frosting on the cake until you put it in the oven because it's not ready. And some of you all are like, I need the blessings, I need the frosting. But God said, baby... You're not ready. I'm going to have to put you in the oven before I put on the frosting. Because if I put on the frosting before you get ready, oh, I wish y'all would help me in here. It won't work. It won't work. Some of you in the oven right now. But you're not getting burned up. You're not being consumed. God is making you ready. Oh, somebody say that right now. God's making me ready. God's making me ready. God's making me ready. Please be patient with me. God is not true with me yet. He didn't put me in the fire to be consumed. He put me in the oven to make me ready for what he has next for me. Somebody put those hands together and give God some praise for his word. Hallelujah. He's making me ready. He's making me ready. May I pray with you, Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you for your word that speaks to us thousands of years later. To remind us, Lord, of your presence, 
Lord, may we stand on our principle just like Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah did on that day. May we be reminded even when we're confronted by our enemies. The Lord, we need not speak on this thing. We need not defend ourselves to everyone. We need not go after everyone who opposes us, but our God who is with us is able to deliver us out of any situation. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Lord, help us to walk with that determination, with that amount of principle, with that faith, with that level of expectation every day. That even when we confront the fire, the fire is to refine us. The oven is the fire under control. And even though we're heated up, you're making us ready for what you have next for us in our lives. And we accept that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. For those of you who've been watching us online, we pray that you've been blessed by what you've heard. And we pray that you will live with faith and expectation until we shall see you again. Be blessed. Come on, bright. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Give a Fire. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.